Well, here we are. Happy February and transfer deadline day from us all at Fulham Focus. For all of you who have completed dry January, I salute you, especially after all the drama going on the last few weeks. As things in the Cups got worse and worse on and off the pitch, it became quite difficult, to be honest with you, to motivate ourselves to release a pod to talk about it. And we assumed just one or two social outlets reporting it was better than our hat in the ring too. Anyway, we hope you're ready now for a stiff drink due to the long day it's been, as always, for a Tony Khan deadline day. As we look at the business done, Burnley this weekend, and to talk about what the hell's been going on with our club. With me are Matthew Boney and Sam Diamond. With me, J-Mac, your host on your Fulham Focus podcast. Fulham. Right. Hello, everyone. Um, it's it's nice to see you all. It's been, it feels like a long time. A lot has happened. Um, first of all, I, I mean, it's deadline day today. Can one of you tell me why it's ended on the 1st of February and not the 31st of January? Is that a leap year thing? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, to be fair, what has been normal about this year? Yeah, that's true. I don't think that, that there's much. Well, so. we've been doing we've been doing podcasts. We're watching them live with penalties. Now we're doing it. I think this is our first ever pod. We're actually doing a transfer deadline day. I mean, this is all brand new stuff. Is it because it usually ends on a Thursday might in January? I mean, I, I may have just made that up, but I, I'm 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 taking a sample of two because I'm sure maybe. last year was a Thursday I think as well. I was going to suggest maybe so. it's a day where there's no football being played, but as we all can see that we're watching the rest of the Wolves Man United game at the moment, so that that theory doesn't cut it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's just a. I'll go with my leap year theory. I'm sure it's complete rubbish. But anyway, um, Boney, you lifted your hands up for joy when I mentioned dry January. Are you? Are you? How are you feeling? You are you nice and fresh? I, I. I, I was fine. I'm, I'm feeling good. I've had COVID for the last week, so oh, no. us doing this at, at quarter to ten at night is, is really <laughs> is really helping. Thanks, boys. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it's it's not been too bad this year. It's been my year to just get through it, and my wife's to constantly go. I need a yeah. gym, and me going, no, we're going to be strong. Normally, it's the other way around. And considering the run of games that we're about to talk about, I think I deserve a beer. I think so. I think so. I tried. I tried really hard, and I then just did maybe two or three days a week where I just have a little drink because I quit nicotine at the Ooh. same time as well, which producer Tom will be thrilled about because every time I put a vape to my mouth when we recorded this, he'd be like, "What the hell are you doing? <laughs> what is that?" <laughs> He's just nodding along. But it's true. It's true. I always feel like an absolute idiot going into a Sainsbury's and saying, "Could I have the the blueberry Raz lemonade, please?" It's just so ridiculous. So I'm, I'm glad that's now. But anyway, we are really. It's very much the full and vape, oh. isn't it? I mean, get get it in before it's banned. <laughs> Exactly. There'll be cheese ones next, but uh, we'll move on. I think so. We need to talk about the newest news. We'll, we'll go to the announcement of Armando Brogia, uh, which has now been announced by uh, Fabrizio Romano himself, which obviously means it's official. Um, I would just like to go to... I'll go to you first, Sam, with this. Uh, your, your thoughts on this deal, because it's been quite a long day of it. We thought he was going to go to Wolves, then we, we pulled out and we didn't like the loan fee, then we thought we were going to get... Um, Ekitike from PSG and maybe like Akpom from Ajax. Just it's been a bit of chaos, but we we finally got our guy. It seems we we got a guy, or we may get a guy. I mean, we're still waiting for it to be confirmed. Uh, I don't know. I think the way we go about things um, as a club in terms of our transfer business and leaving things to the very last minute, you're almost just grateful for getting anyone through the door. So. 
whether he's the right person, whether he sort of fits our style, whether he's the kind of player that Marco Silva wants. Uh, at this point, I don't really know. It's, uh, we just needed someone in. So I, I'm going to, I don't really have any strong feelings on him. Um, as a lot of people seem to be equating it to sort of Alexander Mitrovic being quite raw when he signed in, in 2018. But I, I don't really buy that. I, I think Mitrovic even then was a sort of a far superior all-rounded forward uh, and my my real concern is is the injuries had um I, I spoke to a Southampton fan earlier who you know w- was very complimentary about him and said not being able to replace him was w- pretty much the final nail in their in their Premier League coffin uh, but yeah, the injury is a big thing. It's an injury I've had myself, obviously at different levels, but I know how big an injury that is and how difficult it is to come back from. Um, so whether he can kind of refine that form that he had at Southampton, which you know wasn't really necessarily mind blowing from the figures. What did he score six goals in his, his season there? Um, he's only got one this season for Chelsea, and that was when Tim Ream levered the ball against him. And it ricocheted back in. So let, let's let's be let's be fair. If, if ever there was an opportunity to open your account and kick on from there, it, it's leathering the ball against Tim Ream's ass. Oh, it's what it's what we do, isn't it? Yeah. If you you have a forward who's uh, in in dire need of a goal, we are here to help. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I also I thought what was worrying when I was just sort of looking through his figures was he hasn't completed 90 minutes in the Premier League since May 2022 so there's obviously like you know he's been working his way back for fitness opportunities may be limited at Chelsea although you know they've had enough issues of their own to, to warrant him having chances so we'll wait and see I, I will if he signs, I'll get behind him uh, for as long as he's wearing a Fulham shirt. But it's not one that I necessarily, you know, it's it's not the one I wanted. The, I think the thing that was sort of hanging over it as well is there wasn't really many options for the money that we were, were obviously willing to spend. And apparently there's rumours going around that this is, if he plays half our games, there's no fee, which is which is kind of kind of sweet if that's true. But there really wasn't anybody else on the radar that was looking anywhere near as good as this and to be i say as good as this and it's not exactly a high bar where we're firing at here so i i don't know i think i think it's a, i think it's i think it's all right you no, know, i think it's our fourth striker now so we gotta get rid of somebody in the next yeah 10 minutes. the terms of the deal are interesting and obviously we're, we're not privy to like sort of the the finer details of those but you know that's because Fulham give very little away but what we were sort of led to believe as you said like is uh there will be less to pay if he plays which is all very well you know maybe we have uh negotiated ourselves a really good deal but I've got two questions off the back of that um one is what happened to Tony Khan's I'm not in the habit of developing other clubs players yeah and and two, what happens if he's no good? What happens if he just doesn't just doesn't fit in? If he if he doesn't really have a, a willingness, he doesn't he can't match uh, Rodrigo Muniz's enthusiasm. Uh, he can't 
uh, <laughs> you know, match Raul Jimenez's ability to sort of have these odd purple patches every now and again. It's um, are we just are we having to play him to the end of the season as we sort of sink further and further towards trouble, um, just to make sure that we we don't have to fork out however many million at the end of the season. I I don't know. Well, I, I find it funny how um, how well we've negotiated it down from the original fee that they wanted five million, then it went to four million, and seven hundred and fifty. Now it's seven hundred and fifty. Now, if if he plays like all of the games, then we have to pay the full amount. I'm not too sure, um, but it's interesting what you say about developing other, you know, other people's players. I guess the the upshot here is that if he's really really bad, then at least we don't have to buy him, and that's good. But I feel like the the rule of thumb, rather sod, the rule of sod, rather in terms of Fulham, is that he'll probably uh, end up being scoring 15 goals for us now. We don't have that option. He'll go off to AC Milan or something like that. Um, well, I suppose it's, it's sort of a similar situation to what happened with Mana Solomon in the yes, fact that exactly. it looked like all summer that we were going to sign him permanently. Um, he comes in, obviously has the injury, but then he comes back and he, he scores a few really eye-catching goals in a in a, a you know a really impressive spell, and then we we can't keep hold of him because a club like Tottenham come in. Um, you know, let's say Brozier does really well, he gets seven eight goals between now and the end of the season, and he's up for grabs in the summer. Um, you know, are we going to be competing with those kind of clubs to sign him permanently? Probably not. I, I I think it's just one of those things that we we need to we need to throw the dice on. Um, you know, Kish was was showing some of the the pizza slices earlier, and the uh, it's weird. He seems to be different profile to say Jimenez and Munez in certain areas, and I think that's. Not a bad thing. Um, but then again, I always read these things wrong. So I always think we're getting somebody great. And it's actually the small, the smaller inner <laughs> color is the guy we're signing, not the one on the outside. You've misread the graph. <laughs> yes. This, the date, data, data is, yes. The data is wonderful. Line go up, except when I'm reading it. But, you know, it's, I think, it. look, we we needed a striker. We've got a striker. I think that's Okay. I'm I'm not jumping up and down about it, but it's we've we've got a body in, so let's 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 run with it from from there. I'm gonna steal the next question really because I want to know what Sam's been thinking about our last our last few games because I've been to some of them and they've not been good. I don't really go back anytime soon. But what, 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 did you, what did you think about it, mate? Because it, it it's been a run of games that should have been in my mind wins. But they haven't happened. What did you think of that? Yeah, uh, three, three home evening games in a row in what was it? In six days, um, I would usually be really excited by those. And in fact, oh well, I, I was very excited by the first one. Um, yeah, so I remember, you know, I came out after the Liverpool game, disappointed, and thought, well, we can concentrate on the FA Cup now. Uh, came out of the Newcastle game and thought, well, we can concentrate on the Premier League now. And then I came out of the Everton game and thought, well, let's concentrate on uh, hounding Alistair McIntosh out of the club between now and the end of the season. So, I think I think we'll talk about we'll talk about that later. Cause I've got a rant primed, and I know J Max <laughs> ready to ask me that question. I think all three like three games, and I actually felt we played well in all three games. I know some people will say that we didn't necessarily take the game to Liverpool uh, as soon as we should have done, but 
I actually thought Liverpool were were exceptional on the night, much better than they were in the first leg. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen a team press and counter press and and just a work rate as high as it was from them that night. I, I yeah, I, I was really really impressed, and they carried it on last night when they when they took Chelsea apart as well. Um, so I uh, I don't have maybe the same regrets that others do. But I thought we played well in all three games and all we've got to show for it is one goal, you know, that Issa Diop fired in. Um, so it's the same issues that we've been talking about and highlighted all season. Um, we're a very, very good side like between the goals. Um, but it doesn't really matter if you, you can't put it in. As I think there's a, a Maradona quote about Spain back in the day about how you know, if football was played without goals, they'd be the best team in the world. And it's kind of how I feel about us at times. Um, just some really, really attractive football. Um, you know, we break really quickly, the way we use the flanks, overlaps. It's it's really good. And then it just kind of all falls apart at the vital moment. And I mean, even the Everton game, it, it wasn't for the want of trying. We had 25 shots, which I think is pretty much the most we've had all season in a game. And you know, I think it was a game that most of us called as being nil-nil, you know, from early on in the day. So, I I, I think we got progressively better over those three games. I, I I I wasn't happy with the Liverpool performance. I thought we 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 lacked. To me, it felt like we we lacked fire until that goal went in off of essentially Diop's ass. Basically, let's let's be fair. He got fired out of the box, and he just happened to be in the right place. Um, and it was great. You know, it kicked off and um, we we started showing a bit of heart, but there wasn't, what well, to be fair, I missed the first 20 minutes. We're going to come to that later, but there didn't seem to be that semi-final atmosphere. And that could be for a multitude of reasons, but I think there was a lot of noise until the goal, um, but the team, yeah, but the team wasn't really feeding and kicking on Um from that I felt and it, it was disappointing I think the, the Newcastle game as well I think with everything that's been going on is probably bled into considering that's all Marco's getting asked about in, in press conferences at the moment we'll talk about the off the pitch stuff but they just again seem to have they played well but there was just that mm, that spark missing again and then it was kind of there at Everton we just didn't have anyone to put the ball in the back of the net and I think Jimenez going off at half time one or four of those chances that Moon has managed to be in all the wrong places for in the second must have been able to fall on um, fall, fall to well. Oh, sometimes he was in the right place. It just didn't help. I was, try, uh, I was, trying, I was, trying, to, I was trying to be kind to the lad. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to punch down too hard <laughs> on him, do you? I think the other thing about the uh, both the Newcastle and the Everton game was... Um, those were two teams really there for the taking. Two teams that haven't been in a great place, um, and sort of similar to, to to us talking about Rozier scoring against us when he when he needed a goal. It was like almost we were the right type team for these sides to play because we we helped them get back into form one way or another. Um, I mean, let let's Everton have sort of very similar issues to us, both in terms of goal scoring, but the players they've got out, and you know, we have to bear in mind that they were out without Decore and Onana that night. Um, and an Everton fan I knew actually sort of said, 
when the teams were announced, it's probably the weakest lineup he's seen Sean Dyche put out since he's been at the club. So it was a huge, a huge opportunity. I think the Newcastle game was as well. Obviously, there was a a certain cloud around the club that evening that I think probably played into the performance as well um, and what happened on the pitch. But it, it, it feels frustrating, frustrating to come out of those three games with with one goal and no wins. Hundred percent. I mean, do you think it's now time for us to move on to the cloud that you are talking about, Sam and Boney? Do you think this is now a good time to talk about the off the pitch stuff that's been going on? Because I think I think we're there. Uh, yeah. Uh, so before I go on to the kind of dystopian nightmare that's been ensuing on Twitter and with ITV and and, and Laura Woods, um, I'd like to just quickly talk about the earlier game of Liverpool and our experience, Boney, of being in the Riverside. Um, I would like to start by just saying this is the first time I've been in the Riverside. Um, And what made the game even more heartbreaking than the result was I already felt quite um, dejected and disconnected from the club. And I don't know if it's as silly as me not being in my usual seat, but there was just something being in the Riverside that really honestly depressed me. And I don't know if it's maybe the sort of the elitism around me of the people that are paying three grand of <laughs> three grand a year on this stuff. I mean, not actually that that's a problem, but just how unfinished it all was and how I just didn't understand. It just all looked a bit of a chaotic mess, how it's all been planned and, and just things hanging off the walls I'm not saying it was a dump but it was no way near what I was expecting it to be and and just I just felt very very just felt like I wasn't watching my club at times probably because of the seats I felt like I was in a different stadium but I I've also was just completely taken aback by just how chaotic it all felt being in that riverside and how it was actually almost like a bit of a metaphor for the Khan's ownership I I'll go on to you now I've kind of rambled there I I had ulterior motives for sitting there because the last time I sat on the river side, the old river side, and the only time I've done it was the Hamburg game. So I figured, oh, it's another semi-final. Let's pay yeah. the extra 10 quid and sit in there and hope lightning strikes twice. It didn't, which was a pain <laughs> in the ass. Good intentions. We, yeah, good intentions. We had an absolute freaking nightmare getting into the ground. And then once we were in, I was just shocked by the levels of unfinished plasterboard over hanging all over the place, bits of duct tape poking out of the walls. It For what those people are paying on that side, it's a joke. You know, I, the, 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 I think everybody had problems getting into the ground. We were at the hammy end side of the, the riverside. So we had to go all the way down the, down the back end, up the, the, the Thames path. And then, we got funneled into this weird sort of holding pen and there's like only four turnstiles for all those people on that side of the ground to get through. And it was, it was nuts. There was people with a little baby that we were all trying to create room for them to keep the, the kid from getting squished. And um, kid had a red hat on, so they were taking a bit of stick for that. But um, oh. yeah, exactly. But um, it was, I, I was thoroughly disappointed. I was talking to the two lads sitting next to us and I asked them how much a pint was. They said it was seven quid, which makes me think it's 50p more expensive in the Riverside than it is in the Hammy End, which I don't know if that's true because I refused to go in check at halftime to do it. And it was dry January, so what could you do? But it yeah. just, the view was all right. Yeah, the view's great. And look, 
there are some people that have been at the Riverside for, for instance, the Newcastle game. I know uh, Master Wiggins was there with a few pals and like, you know, they got seats for 50 quid right behind the dugout. They had a great time. Um, you know, the view's great and, and it can, you know, it can be a very nice experience, but I just felt it was weird. <laughs> and um, I, I've interrupted you there, but I'm just adding to your point that it can obviously be a very good view and feel like a very a nice experience What you're where you're set from. I, I I didn't expect it to be as unfinished as it was. Right. I think that's 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 a thing. And I, I was excited for it because I've been staring at the thing now for however many years from my seat in the Hemi end thinking, oh, it's nice. It's a nice wind windbreak from the old days when it used to howl in off the Thames. But yeah. it, it was, once you're in your seat, it's okay. There's le- less legroom than in the Hemi end, I think. Um, but, yeah, it was it was it was just thoroughly disappointing, and I just yeah, I didn't understand how it's all going to work. Like you got all these corporate boxes that are coming in potentially when the stand's fully ready and kitted out, but I don't know where where they all go from, and they all have to share the same sort of uh, the same stairwell as people just regular punters. I just I I just didn't really understand. Not that I'm criticizing it for the, you know corporate people sharing stairwells of regular people. I'm just simply saying that it all kind of it all just looked like not very well thought out. But Which is there, probably yeah. true. But there wasn't. There wasn't. There's no. There's no wayfinding in it. So we ended up walking to the wrong bit because we we were on. Right. We thought we were going to be right over on the edge, and we got pointed in completely the wrong direction. Ended up right on basically where you can't get. And then you realise that someone's written in pencil. Like, oh, actually, that's our eleven. That's oh, right. Yeah. You have to. You have to go there. It, it, it is that bad, and mm. I think if you're there every week. Yeah, you you figure it out. You know, like like us in the Hamid, you you know how how to get to the loo. You know how to get a beer, and you know how to get back to your seat in time. But yeah. if if you're a newbie over there, it was it was crap. No, back back to H five for us, mate. I'm yep. I'm looking forward to being back. Um, I, I enjoyed the free cookies. They gave free cookies. <laughs> That's what you pay your money for. <laughs> <laughs> they came out with like baskets of free cookies. I don't know if they were going off the next day. That was probably the situation rather than the fact we were in the Riverside. We, but I was just like, oh, thank you very much. We, very we, nice here. <laughs> He's just eating the one. I got shouted at for standing, waiting for my wife to come up the steps from the loo because the ladies are like down these big, big flight of stairs. The, the, right. bog, the bog I found was quite nice. I think it was one of the corporate ones because there was nobody in it. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah, but it, but you know, the lady's like, you can't stand there. And I'm like, literally in the middle of a concourse. I'm like, why can't I stand there? It's a through affair. And you're like, well, it's a concourse. It's all through. Anyways, enough. Let's, let's, uh, we, we've complained about it. I enough. mean, let's, if I, if I could kind of give my view of it, um, on the no, we, we, no, we've no, we've, we've, no, we've gone too far. Yes, it's enough is enough. No, no it's just um, obviously living up in Scotland. I don't, I don't get to as many games as I would like to. So I, I've not been there for too many since it started to be redeveloped. But um, that's kind of the first real big game that I've been there for was the Liverpool one, and it almost felt that sort of big, vast, half-empty stand, it felt sort of detrimental, certainly to the occasion and maybe to our chances because, I mean, before kickoff, you're going to have to trust me if you were, were queuing to get in, but there was a real sort of atmosphere of building and sort of the flags were being waved. The the uh, Ku Klux Klan were giving it some in the, the Stevenage Road. Um, but there was all this yep. real... 
a real sense yeah. of occasion and it just kind of felt like it was sort of disappearing on that side and it was it's funny that Boney mentioned Hamburg because that's what I kept kind of casting my mind back to and it just didn't have the same feel and I, I felt it was because you know it wasn't all sort of closed in and it's just kind of I, I guess I worry about sort of the future and especially I guess the manner in which it's dragging on now and how it's been accordingly priced mm. it's hard not to feel negatively about it um kind of at best it feels like a sort of unnecessary mismanaged shambles and at worst a, a soulless vanity project but I, well, I i just i just look at liverpool they had the same problem as us with the same contractor and they spent the money and got it done because they knew they'd get the money back whereas we seem to be haggling over whatever because it's yeah, I'm having a lot of work done around here and I've had the guy back to fix a bunch of stuff because he didn't do it very well and he didn't like it but I stood over him and he, he's kind of yeah well, to be fair he's come back you stood over him almost yeah cracking the whip <laughs> but you know that's what that's what you do you wouldn't but you know that, that place literally has like shonky plasterboard hanging down from the ceiling and stuff and you just think and are the reports in the Anyways. in the media true that you're charging people £3,000 to come around your house yeah, <laughs> it's bargain. It's lovely down Horsham Way. Yeah, I'll even make you a cup of tea for that. You don't get that in the Hamlet. Well, you apparently you get biscuit. Fifty p more uh, expensive at your house. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, fifty. Fifty p for a biscuit, and uh, you know we'll even go to Marks and Spencers for the biscuits. But yeah, yeah no, it was it was rubbish. It was, I, and I, and I think I got COVID making my way through that crowd. So it was probably the kid in the red hat. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I mean, look, Sam, you were mentioned price there. And now we're going to the next topic, um, ticket prices. And this is something that was, we all thought something good was going to happen, didn't we? We saw that it was being announced by uh, journalist Dean Jones um, about saying, you're going to see a lot of empty seats tonight. And then other journalists started picking it up on Twitter. And then thus ITV picked it up. Laura Woods started talking about it. No, in fact, Laura Woods didn't talk about it. ITV tweeted about it first. Then Laura Woods made a quick statement about it. And then... Something weird started happening, and I got a lot of us became very conspiracy theory about it. ITV then deleted the tweet, and we know the rest of the story from here. And then it it wasn't mentioned by ITV by the tweet anymore. And then the game went on, and then by the end of the game, Laura Woods has obviously been told, forced into the from the producer's mouth into her ear to say that the owners are very happy with the attendance of 18 point whatever thousand people and that they consider 40 pounds to actually not be too bad in price. I don't really know where to start with this. Um, I'll, I'll go to you first, Boney. Yeah, it was, um, it was weird because they, they made the statement in the preamble bit to the game and Laura Woods asked the, the, the two who do they have their heads? Um, oh, is that the, the, the pundits on? And yeah. they then tweeted that clip out because I, I tuned in just after that. And then it started going nuts on Twitter saying, where's this tweet gone? Which was the 1 minute 33 clip. And that then reappeared after the match. But they didn't mention ticket pricing again or whether or not it was full or not until the statement from the club was read out. It was all very weird. And why why would they delete a tweet about that unless they'd been asked to, is is my 
that's maybe slightly you know tin tin you know tinfoil hatty but what you know it was it was something that went out on a live feed that they then clipped and then put out and then it was deleted whereas all the other clips from the pre-match ramble was the tweet that so eventually went back up was it was it exactly the same or had had it changed wording no it what had happened was i believe the tweet then came back up but it then included the clip of the owners saying that they were satisfied so it then included the end bit of the owners statement on the matter so i don't know what how far do we think ali mcintosh's arms reach out into the into the uh, the media no as someone who who's know. who has sort of worked on um the dark side on, of things on uh, live broadcast before <laughs> I would say that the club have told them to take that down not asked they've told them to right okay brilliant so, so the original tweet I've got it all here because I screenshotted it and put it out on Twitter because I'm bets and I was ill so I was in a really bad mood so 1846 no, ITV Sport put out a tweet that says there will be a few empty seats tonight in Craven Cottage for the Fulham v Newcastle in the Emirates Cup this is here's why and the clip was one minute and 33 seconds long and then it was removed and then at do, 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 where are we uh here we go it was then at nine twenty-one. the clip went back and it was 15 seconds longer because at the end they they tap they tap on the club statement and the tweet then says now says and this is still up if you want to look at it on the ITV football feed. There were some empty seats in Craven Cottage tonight for Fulham v Newcastle in the Emirates FA Cup. Here's why some fans have chosen to stay away and what the club itself has had to say in response. So they deleted the one without the club statement. Now, that's that's a request, clearly from it. And the club statement was, as we come to expect from our comms team. And it was, you know... I've I had I've had a, a few people say it wasn't a good look, but then I've had other people say it didn't look that empty. So, what are you going to do? There's there's lots of conspiracy theories knocking around about why there was as many people there at the Newcastle game and the Everton game when there was big train strikes. But I don't know if we want to start. Well, no, I do because well, there's two theories. Well, I mean, maybe more than two. I mean, first of all, there were a lot of away, away fans in that area of the home section, which we know through Twitter with Newcastle fans trying to sell them <laughs> to uh, more Newcastle fans. But we also know that the, the statement for Everton before before the match said, Craven Cottage will be sold out tonight. Fans instantly underneath were commenting and saying, no, they're not. I can still buy one. And they showed actually what this, the ticket office said online about 20 minutes beforehand. And they were just... Hundred like hundreds of red dots to sh- to show that there were still seats available. Maybe green dots. I digress. What color they were, but the point being is that then someone went online and said they had been offered free tickets. So obviously the club were then incredibly embarrassed about the situation of what happened uh, on ITV, even though they were in inverted commas satisfied. Lied about it being sold out and then gave away tickets to further prove. <laughs> I don't understand what they're doing. They're trying to. They're they're losing money. They're giving away free tickets to, because they've priced the tickets too expensive. Like to try and make it doesn't make sense in my head what I they're mean, doing. It, 
I don't understand. If you're ever unsure on. about the uh, the term gaslit, which has obviously crept into the language in the in recent years, then just look this sure. incident up because it's happening in real time. We are being gaslit as a fan base. Um, I've also Correct. never seen Fulham so quick to put the attendance out as they did for both of those games. Mm. Um, usually, right. I spend days trying to find out how many people were there, and uh, there it was, twenty minutes before the end of the game. Uh, it's just it, it's a real shambles yeah. and I, I mean I think we're maybe questioning ourselves just by using the term conspiracies I don't think these are conspiracies at all um, you know mm. otherwise start selling a tinfoil hat in the club shop it's um, it's it's an absolute nonsense this position that we're in well maybe the club will actually start putting tin hats next to the clappers because I'm pretty sure they put clappers out again to piss the fans off even more. They might put tin hats out next to the next just to even wind us up so, but further. I don't know. Um I, I, I will I sorry mate, I just want to say on the clappers. I have to give the club credit that is top trolling of angry <laughs> fans. Yeah. Cuz yeah, yeah, everyone's going to be Williams upset. what can we do before he left the club. Yeah. Oh, we haven't even talked about that. Yeah, the, I mean that's crazy. I mean we've all been, we're all I, privy to that information, aren't we? That, and, that's, and that's even weirder that you then have a random Twitter account trying to buy well-known Fulham. Well, it's white noise. Yeah, all, all that stuff. I came to that late, so someone please describe it to me because all I had was Danny on the group chat going. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, Sam, do you want to take this or should I? You go for it. I'll I'll chip in. Well, as far as I know is Jay Williams is clearly a secret evil agent of Tony Khan. (laughs) Might be even Tony Khan himself or Ali McIntosh himself, who is just basically going around telling everyone that actually they're the problems. And they used phrases like, I think, legacy fans, um, how you should be careful what we wish for. And it's not just this guy, actually. I think um, Twitter, you know, fans such as, not Twitter fans, Fulham fans that use Twitter, such as MJG, for instance, have been actually collecting these people. And it's quite a good job they're doing. They're showing that actually they're highlighting all the these so-called bots that they think that are actually agents of this really evil dystopian club we now run. It's so bad, isn't it? But yeah, it's um, I don't get it. Conspiracy theories, etc. But yeah, this Jay Williams guy is it, it was nuts, and then he left, and then the next day, this is the weirdest part: is Fulham Football Club announced the departure of a Jay Williams football player um, on a permanent to, to what was the club, United. Sam? I, I, I genuinely <laughs> had to really check weird. the tweet three times because I thought someone had just done sort of an, an exceptional gag. And it's like, oh no, that is actually officially the club. Um, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It, it, well, it, maybe it does. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a very interesting conversation with a, a friend of mine this week who, um huge football fan, uh, but also a huge wrestling fan. And I kind of wanted to get um sort of a glimpse into sort of how Tony Khan was sort of seen from from that capacity and the first thing he sort of said was you know he's obviously very very enthusiastic um but he <laughs> he needs to take it easy and at times he needs to have his phone taken off him um and it sounds like he often gets in he's often okay. got involved with fans like on message boards and on social media uh and just when you sort of said that thing about legacy fans that's very much a wrestling term isn't it it's uh, now I I am reaching for my Fulham tinfoil hat. It's um, yeah. 
Well, yeah, the the boy the boy has form. What, what was the was it the Ivan Tony stuff when we got promoted the time before the last time, the middle time of our up and down years that he was going on about. Oh, we looked at Tony and he's not that great and all this sort of business. There was that really weird exchange that he was getting involved in, and then he suddenly stopped and he only ever tweets about what's coming up on AEW and occasionally will say that standard tweet, which is copy and pasted, you know, well done to Fulham for beating insert club name here. Um, you know, we're all very proud of you. It, it's, mm. it's, it has looked like he's been, he's been taken aside and told not to. So, but then, you know, what's to stop him becoming his alter ego, Jay Williams and uh, <laughs> cracking on and offering people money. For, I didn't get offered money for mine. I would have sold mine happy. Yeah, there you go. I'm going I think on all those plane tweets you'd lose, though. Well, well, see, I've got another cat. <laughs> 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 Look, is there an argument here that we as fans, uh, the public, the mob, as, he, as they might see us, uh, are we properly finding out these guys now? Finding out these guys now with, with their antics? I mean, do we think that they actually might start to panic a little or maybe it's just a small amount of us on Twitter and they actually still don't care and we mean nothing to them I just I don't know if if the tables might be turning I do feel like some sort of war was started the night of um, ITV gate and Laura Woods and um, I can't see it getting any better I feel like the cl- club should be maybe a little bit worried about this can I counter that with a question mm. are we giving them too much credit well, maybe that's the thing. Yeah, this maybe this is too good even for them, and they're just sitting back, going, "Wow, they're going after each other." You know, it's it's like they're in the pit. It's like an episode of the we'll traitors. Whoever's left. Yeah. Yeah. God, I missed that show already. That was fantastic for a sober January for sure. Well, mostly sober January. Um. So, what's the next plan then? I mean, we haven't got any FST members here, but we've got you know we we we, we admire the work they do, and just a, a plan would be to a walk in or a walk out for our next televised match. I imagine. I mean, I don't feel like this is going away anytime soon. Well, I guess we need to decide on what it is we actually want. Do we? Do we want the owners out? Do we want the CEO out? Do we want a review of the right. ticket prices? Do we want the, the Riverside stand finished? Do we want money spent on players? Do we want the clubs to be more open in their communication? Um, I think sort of once we've settled on that as a, a fan base, and that's probably easier said than done, then then we can talk about action. But I I feel like... I feel like sort of this dissent that's creeping in, um, unsatisfied voices. I think it's good to, that they're being heard in as many forms as possible. And I would encourage everyone, I mean, especially younger fans, uh, to join the um, the FST. I know maybe they have perhaps, you know, have, have not got the best image really in terms of their success. But, you know, it's still quite a an organisation still sort of in its relative infancy um, there, there's time for them they can make a difference and they, they certainly can with more fans involved so that, yeah that, that's something I would always encourage um, failing that hitman for Ali Mack yeah I, well, I don't like being all kind of like I say we fight and being really dramatic about it like some sort of you know medieval movie or whatever like you know Last Stand over a hill on a battlefield but I did, that ITV thing really did spur something in a lot of people and particularly me I, I wasn't really as caring as I 
used to be until then i think obviously as i've mentioned with the riverside stuff beforehand it was it was brewing and then that happened and i just thought right enough is enough now boney you were going to say something i i I think i think the fst route is going to be an interesting one i i think they do great work i've been a member of theirs for quite a while i did laps for a bit but yeah, nice. I, was, I was around back in back and back to the cottage days. So I know that fan action can work. Yes, fan action probably also cost us Louis Saha because what, what's the the rumor that his right boot paid for the hammy end and his left boot paid for the the Putney end? And yeah, you know, that's right. that's the sort of things that our club has to deal with. Now, I think what needs to be said. There's a lot of people saying lots of things about the cons. If the cons are this involved with the day-to-day running of a minor asset in their empire, which we are compared mm. to the businesses, the Jags, and let's face it, the boats. If they're this involved, we're more screwed than we thought. If they're having to be this hands-on, what this is, is Ali Mack and his team. This is their commercial decisions. They're clearly, they've set something up to meet KPIs, whatever, and they're doing what they can to meet it to keep the ownership happy. This is an ownership who have put nearly 500 million pounds into this club. Okay, granted, it's been up and down, and you know, it's sitting there un- unplastered in, in the hammy in the riverside for a lot of the end. But they have they haven't stinged on money until now, when that being unstingy is biting us in the ass due to rules. Yeah. So. I think we just need to be careful and put the ire into the right place. And I think that should be at the front office that is running the club currently. And that's with the guy who's been in charge for 10 pretty miserable years. Because what, you know, what, what's he, what's Ali Mack actually achieved? More relegations. If, if you look at his, his profile on the club website, he arrived in 2008 and the majority of his profile on the website sort of talks about what the the team what the club did in sort of those first two years which i imagine was probably just sort of the momentum from previous regimes anyway um since he's been sort of solely involved as you say there's been relegations uh, you know there's been shambles the 100 million pounds the transfer year uh, yeah. you know ah, it, it also stuff. mentions the fulham pier in his profile i mean i, I guess this is stuff that could be could do with being updated at some point uh, I, I, I've always been of exactly the sort of the same mindset as you, Boney. The, the one thing that's just made me question it this week was again a conversation with my my friend who likes wrestling. Uh, just that you have a lot of conversations, mate. I says, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> this is good. Two two sources, two sources have, have confirmed to me. But he, he said, he said, because I, I, I kind of said, I, I I feel like this is all the CAO. I, I feel like Tony Khan is just the face of it. He'll, he'll get sort of the brunt of the abuse, but I think he's very much like he's there for the announcements. Um, but he allows the running. Um, to someone else and he said well I don't know if I believe that because he knows how hands on he is with with AEW and how he finds it really difficult to let go and it's just got me thinking off the back of that is he more involved um, and are we in that precarious position that you mentioned at the top maybe I, I, I just he's just he just looks like a bad person in my opinion. He just looks really, really mean and nasty, and I don't like him. I don't like him. I've never Ooh. liked him. Ali, Ali Mack. Yeah. yeah. Tony Khan's just a bit of a dweeb. I mean, I don't really 
mind him too much. I don't know if he's he's a, he's a spreadsheet a warrior, isn't he? he? He's 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 the kid who gets to play football manager for real because he's yeah. Now speaking of football manager, I, I, I type for time, so we we need to talk about um, our manager Marco Silva and his response to the, the the crisis, as it were, was he felt sad about the whole situation and said he hopes that we can the fans shouldn't be unhappy and, and, and we should find a solution to this ticketing crisis and he also today seemed rather sad with our transfer activity and how late we're doing everything as Sam alluded to and I just Sam it doesn't seem very likely to me that he's going to stay the summer um, uh, sorry after the summer even with this extension I'd just like to know your thoughts well it's, it's a huge concern because I feel like his his expertise, what he's brought to the club, is uh, has kind of is what's getting us through this really tough time. He's the only thing that's holding he's, us he's, together. He's been, exactly. he's been brilliant. So, and you know, we were so happy when he signed that extension because it came out of the blue. We were all worried that he was eventually going to get fed up with either sort of the you know the lack of squad depth, the or the lack of you know lack of signings or players leaving. Um, uh, yeah, so to see him sort of fed up today, talking about it again, saying, oh, we, we, we needed players in at the start of the window, um, it's, a, it's a real concern. Um, but I don't know if if that's the case, if he is sort of pondering his future, why he would have signed the contract. What was he told that made him sign that contract? What was he given? Um you know, there must have been some incentive for him to to do it. So, but again, it's you know, we're usually the last people to find out anything. So, who knows? I, I, I think I think there's an interesting point there that clearly he's 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 not happy. He's been promised things will be changed. I think, I think the Everton and Nottingham Forest thing has the um. The point deductions and, and the charges there has scared the living bejesus out of everybody. Yeah, and I think we've seen it across the entire league. This is what the quietest January transfer window in the history of the Premier League, or something silly like that. Um, until today, there's been some a couple of big big signings and Spurs signed someone for twenty million or something. But it, I think that's probably not helped things. But it also hasn't stopped us from talking to Chelsea four weeks ago. To get this, to get this done, get him in in time for right being being cup tied potentially for the the Carabao Cup final, which would have been lovely, but you know it's it's yeah it's not good, and again it's reflecting badly on the club, and again, ladies and gentlemen, dear listeners, friends of ours, that's front office, that's Mister Alistair McIntosh. Yeah, I mean that, that again is is leaving. The deal was so late, and that's something that we've really seen since McIntosh became CEO. I know Tristan has some some sort of extensive statistics on how late we do our business um, since he came to the club, and also in comparison to McIntosh being at a club under Fired and being under um, the Khans. And you know, every now and again, you can kind of give them a. a, a a bit of praise and say, well, obviously they've, you know, they bartered Arsenal down to a very, very good deal for Bernd Leno. Um, and I've just read a Peter Rutzler tweet saying that the loan deal for Brozier could actually end up being zero if he does play. But <laughs> at what cost? I mean, if we'd have got a player in early in the window, maybe we'd be in, you know, our first domestic cup final since 1975. So, 
good point. Yeah, it, it's what do you want as a club, really? Um, and you're absolutely right talking about FFP and, and and PSR. And someone made a very good point on the on the group chat the other day. He was saying, "I just never thought I'd I, I'd." You know, as a sort of a huge football fan growing up, I'd never have to care about sort of the inner workings of my club's finances. It's never, that's not why I got into football. And it's like, well, yeah, that is true, actually. I, this stuff really bores me. Um, and I hate the fact that we have to consider it so much. Yeah. I mean, uh, just you mentioned uh, the Ratzer tweet talking about the, the deal of Brogia, how it might cost us nothing. Um, I was going to save this as a bookend because it's transfer deadline day. And um, I think we've got. 22 minutes left until the deadline occurs at 11pm and we were banking on a loan for uh, signing from Leon of Ryan uh, Jerky, I think his name is Jerky, yeah, he was this creative midfielder who can play I think as a sort of attacking 10 or on the wing and we tried getting that last minute because Ben Rahm has gone to Leon and it's it's fallen through apparently just now Is it because and, and Jerky, that's just Jerky didn't come cheap cheap? Very good, mate. Very good. Very awful as well. Good night. I enjoyed it. But I'm <laughs> I will say this is just another example of classic Fulham. You know, we're doing everything to the last minute, hoping we'll find a deal. And we've killed ourselves. I mean, Adama Traore, we'll talk about Burnley in a second, might be fit for the game on Saturday, but I doubt it. Um, I just feel like we've really messed this up. We still only have two wingers at the moment in Bobby Reed and Willian. Am I right? I mean, you know, Awobi's still away. Adama's still broken uh, and Brozier doesn't play in the wing we could put him in as there but oh wait he's injured as well this is not good and it's the same stuff every year um, so I don't really know unless we've got a deal sheet at the last minute for you know Reese Nelson or Emil Smith Rowe from Arsenal but I doubt it it's all very depressing <laughs> it's just, we're, but, we're, 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 we're desperately waiting for AFCON to finish and this player Adama Traore you mentioned yes there's there's been rumors about this guy all season I think there was a tweet about him back back in back at the beginning of the year but you know it's we we've known about these problems now for six weeks yeah we've known about AFCON for longer than that and we're doing our business at 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday it's also 166 days since we sold Alexander Mitrovic yeah, there you go. Another person we don't know. I hope he I mean, runs that's... out of petrol in the desert and has to eat his own leg. <laughs> but this is the thing. I mean, that's that's the, the the comment you just made there, Sam, was exactly more or less what Marcus Silva said um, in the press conference today. Just the fact that we still haven't used not use the money because I think there's technically a rule in place that we can't use that just yet maybe but the fact that we haven't still replaced Alexander Mitrovic is a huge problem and I, I just I can't see him I can't see him staying really even with this extension um, look Marcus Focus was on Burnley when he was mentioning all this he said he didn't want to talk about other players and I suppose we should maybe quickly do the same and talk about Burnley um, Boney and Sab I've just looked at our turf more record and I, 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 <laughs> I had no idea that it was bad as it. As oh, it is, it is terrible. Um, it's really, really bad. We haven't won there since 1951. <laughs> I mean, that's really, really. That's. I mean, that's just. Yeah, it's, it's I, I, I didn't realize it was that long. games since we won in the league there. 
Um, and oh I've God. been to quite a few of those, and they've oh, they've all really? been grim. Yep. Um, so yeah, wow. twenty-two defeats, six draws uh, since nineteen fifty-one. Uh, it's the longest run um, that Burnley have ever had against a league opponent at home. So yeah. And it's going to stop on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, 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 with Brozier scoring a hatchet. I imagine Brozier might start this he, game. He, he's, he's probably going to start, probably score a goal. Uh, was it um, Pav, Pavgrenniak? The guy Pavgrenniak, yeah, yeah. Did he score a hat-trick on his debut and then never did anything again? He scored the perfect hat-trick. He scored, scored a yeah. hat-trick at home yeah. to Wolves. I, I, don't know, I don't think that was his debut. I think he scored at QPR first. Um Ah yeah. yes, yeah. but it was like the first couple of games, the, the the boy could do no wrong, and then he did nothing but wrong for the rest of the season, and ended up at Reading. Oh, yeah, let that be a warning to you. Yes, <laughs> I don't think he will start Brozier on Saturday. I, I guess he will only have the one training session tomorrow. I expect to see. That's I think Muniz will start up front, and Brozier will get forty-five minutes, half an hour, twenty minutes, depending on the on the state of the game. Um, then tear his ACL again, and it's just ah, oh, brilliant, brilliant. That's that's always terrifying when a player has that injury under his belt. I know he's young, but that was one of the big red flags in my mind when I heard that we might be signing him. Just sort of like you just don't know what you just don't know of that sort of injury. But that's like, hey, that's the win-win of actually having just a loan and not an obligation, I suppose. But yeah, I I can't even recall who's actually not injured now for us to pick a lineup out of this. Well, I guess it does pick itself pretty much, doesn't it? It's, um, yeah. I guess is the only, uh, the only debate, I suppose is, will it be Tete or Castagna at right back? Um, and mm. will Kearney play again? I think he might. I probably would, but maybe Harrison Reed's better for this sort of, but we should be beating Burnley. I know the record speaks for itself in terms of we haven't won there in so long, but it, this is actually a very, very big game um, for our form and, and for starting a sort of a, a February off well, uh, because things can start to actually feel a bit scary. With the you look at Luton scoring two goals in two or three minutes against Brighton and beating them four nil the other night, and I'm not suggesting for fully that we're we're going to go down and Luton are going to overtake us, but you you got to be careful now, especially with the shit window we've just had. I. I thought we we were going to do quite well against him at home, but then Kish, who sits behind me in the uh, in the hammy end, brought his in laws. Never bring people to the Fulham game you think you're going to win because you don't. That's, we lost three 0 That's a very good like point. The rule. I, I yeah. I, 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 I think there's so much going on that to get out of there with a the draw, I'll be quite happy. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 honest, honestly, yeah. What, what have we got coming up? We've got Burnley, Bournemouth, and then Villa, United, Brighton. That's sort of the next four, four games. I'm, I'm not liking a, a lot of that, if I'm honest. So just grab, grab what we can, get out of Turf Moor with a point, and get on the bus home. Hopefully, have some wheels left on it. It would be nice though if we if we did win, and then who knows after that when we might win our next four games after that a bit like what we've done with Goodison Park. No one thought that that would happen. Goodison Park was a complete <laughs> yeah, graveyard for us, and then so, for some reason now that we just can't get enough of winning there, it's brilliant. But I mean, I, I don't know, Sam. Do, do you predict a draw, or, or at least hope for a draw? I, I mean, I take a draw now if 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 one was on offer. Yeah. Really? Um, 
They're not very good, though, are they? No, they're not. And <laughs> I, I guess like, we said that in December, and they that's, the, that's us. the frustrating so, thing. Let's, um, yeah, but I'm just laughing about. Luton scoring two goals in three minutes because that's as many goals as we've scored in the league in, in almost two months now. And it really does make me think that the worst thing that's happened to our season was scoring those, what was it, 16 goals in, in 14 days uh, because it, it's completely papered over that huge gaping hole in our attack. Um, and I mean, maybe, probably the club wouldn't have acted sooner because because of everything we've spoken about in the last hour but it's just now we're going into this game we we've we haven't scored in five of the last six matches and that includes the Burnley home game so you know if if Broyer is the answer then as I say I think he's probably gonna have to do it off the bench on Saturday otherwise we're looking for someone else and with Jimenez injured who looked fairly bright um out for a few weeks, yeah, and Wilson well. injured, who looked, who's looked sort of very bright in his little cameos lately. You, you know, we, we are sort of short of options, and we're relying on the same players. And remember, we've got the oldest, the oldest squad in the Premier League. We're up against one of the youngest on Saturday. Um, a very different sort of Burnley side to what we're used to playing in terms of one that likes to keep the ball on the floor and and pass the ball about. Uh, yeah. I'm worried, and I, you know, I, it feels wrong to be worried, but I am. Um, so I would take a draw and just keep them the sort of same distance apart for now. All right. Well, for the sake of positivity, I'm going to say two-one to Fulham. Andreas Pereira uh, scores the first, and Brozier scores the winner in injury time. Just, just, just for you know, good vibes and positivity. probably, be, probably like will a be a Chelsea well. Loney striker who scores the winner because they've got that. Uh, is it, to break the they've mold, got that yeah. uh, David Datro Fofana on loan from them haven't they so he'll, he'll uh, probably yes. uh, get his first Burnley goal well I mean here's hoping here's hoping lads I mean that's I, I'm really it's been really good talking to you I mean I don't know what else to say of, about the transfer window I was gonna I was gonna just talk about you know the Cherky deal sheet coming through and um, I, I don't think it's going to happen but some person on Twitter who has uh, one follower has just said that the, <laughs> the window in France apparently closes at 2am I don't know if that's accurate or not but, but that, that, that would be for incoming transfers surely yeah probably uh, so I think um, that's probably off we might I don't know there might be some sort of tweet from the club Sky Sports News are currently showing some very sinister footage of uh, the, the cars parked outside of Fulham's training ground with the lights on inside, oh, but, really? I mean, it's probably just the cleaner in there. Uh, I do find it mad that we will finish this window without using all our domestic loans. Obviously, we've now used one of them, but and then a lot of clubs haven't used all of them because everyone's so strapped for FFP. So maybe it's just actually one of those things. It's quite normal now. It's going to become more. And more unless you're Nottingham Forest, then you just do what the hell you yeah. like. Well, out of interest, I just wanted to ask you. With that, is Nottingham Forest's uh, point deduction likely to be implemented before the season ends? It's not going to happen like for next season. I think it's actually meant to potentially happen because that could actually see determine the relegations. Because I think Sheffield are down. I think Burnley are down. I think if Forest get that deduction, it'll be them. Personally, I can't call it for the third one at the moment if it isn't. But I was just interested to know if anyone has any information if that's uh, if that's something that's happening. 
I, I thought you were going to be really edgy and ask, are Nottingham Forest a big club or a small club? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, my brother-in-law is a Forest fan. I've, 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 I've asked that question too many times, my, and it's, it's yeah. never ended well. Yeah. My, my, my uncle's company used to sponsor them back in the nineties. So I, I have to. Was it Labatt's? Yeah, was it? it was. Yeah, really. Yeah, he, he, was the, he was the MD of Labatt's. Labatt's Europe, and uh, yeah, so he's. If you Google his name, the first thing that comes up is the argument he got into with Frank Williams when uh, Nigel Mansell left. Because they assured him, because they were the number two sponsor of Williams, and they assured him that Mansell had signed for '93, so they signed an extension to the deal. And then Mansell went to the states, and uh, yeah, and they were they couldn't get out of the deal. Anyways, yes. I um, mean, if we're talking F1, it's I, pretty much been summed up today that the biggest deal has been Lewis Hamilton going to yeah to Ferrari. So. Which I don't even like F1, and I found that interesting. <laughs> I'm saying it's good fun. It's mad. Um, I don't. There's. I was listening to the price of football today, and they mentioned us very nicely, which was good, and the the ticket problem. So thank you, Kieran and um, Kevin. I thought you meant for them focus, and I was like, they did what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. They mentioned us, and I'm just the royal ass. <laughs> yeah. But what they did talk about was these point deductions, because apparently, it's not going to be until April that Everton's one is finally decided, because there's a hearing in February. Yeah. And then there's the time to appeal and all that sort of, so it could be April and then that's when the forest one can then be because apparently they can't be done concurrently or something silly like that if I understood them correctly so it could actually be at the end of the season before we actually know oh, what's going how, how good would that be if they just just start deducting points willy-nilly in the like last year game of the season you could have one of those as it stands tables like just during the week <laughs> so the, yeah. the guilty uh, verdicts come through it's, oh. it's a bit like when Dumbledore fucks over Slytherin at the end of Harry Potter number one oh. <laughs> it's just like with the house ca- I do Sorry, not understand that reference reference to mention on a football podcast but don't worry I'd rather we talked about wrestling story. again we are it's I mean we can if you want I mean apparently CM Punk's back or some nonsense he's injured know, surprised yeah. we didn't sign him there you go. There you go. Well, look, with that, lads, I think um, we'll call it a day. I, I, we've we've ended with Harry Potter and wrestling. I definitely think that's time to go to bed. Um, it's been wonderful to speak to you both, um, and um, I think we'll be back next week with a reaction to all this. And welcome, Amanda Broyer, and hopefully we'll um, hopefully we might get someone else over the line in the next. Um, yeah, a quick scroll of Twitter. Nothing. There we go. Nothing. So, okay. To nothing. be fair, the club's still haven't announced Broyer, so. Brilliant. It could all go tits up. Yeah, it's ladies and gentlemen. Any ideas what the pun might be? That might be a good way to end the pun. It's going to be something like ambrosia or, you know, so it's, you know one of the. Source, colon, trust me. Here comes our oh, man. Like that. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, that's, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it is bad, but you know what I mean. Anyway, all right. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Good to see you. And we'll be back. We'll be back next week. If you like what we're here, please tell your friends about us. Thank you for all your support. We appreciate it. And we'll see you soon. Cheers.